Hey everyone, welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and with me, Mr. Daniel Ornelas. What is up, Daniel? Hey, Jason. How's it going, man? It's going all right. You got any? Uh, you got any crazy stories for me this week? <laughs> I feel like I felt like I kind of rushed through the last one because I I didn't have a voice. So I want to hear <laughs> what crazy thing has happened in your life in the last week. Gosh, I'm trying to think. I went out to California again for the second time um, in the in the last two weeks and spent some time at the Montage Hotel again. Just suffering, suffering for Jesus. Suffering for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had an event out there with uh, a group um, that does uh, missions around the world. So Navigators, they're, they're an organization that does um, basically as missions pe- missions organizations that put people out on different in, in different places like on campuses and so they, they call themselves navigators people that are like missionaries i guess uh yeah it's pretty, it was pretty cool really really interesting though it was really to, fun you get to play with anybody famous this time no just just me and Brenton brown band <laughs> <laughs> we, we played the concert this time quite different from the last one but it was good nice star, stars in your own right i would say <laughs> they lost out basically they got they drew the short straw <laughs> you know, I was uh, I was actually just looking at our our um, our stats for our podcast because uh, mm-hmm. we just keep growing. It's great. The program we use it'll actually show like a world map on where you get the most listens. And so for us, mm-hmm. you know, US is the highest, but then we also have like Australia is pretty big, and the other one that is like this, I think it was like the third biggest was South Africa. And I was like, that's all Daniel's doing. <laughs> that's weird, man. Pay, playing to uh, the home crowd. Crazy. You know, I'm trying to home crowd advantage. <laughs> so uh, hello to all our friends from South Africa. Hey, guys. Wow, that's encouraging. Really cool. Really yeah, it impressive. Is, it's pretty neat. Well, hey, um, today we thought we would go about uh, doing something a little different. I would, you and I were going to sit down and I was, I was looking through our member mail and we got a great question uh, about, so somebody asked a question about playing acoustic bass or playing bass during an acoustic set and I thought you know what acoustic sets are a lot of fun they really set things up differently they really kind of create a different environment for everyone and you can really get some some cool ideas around them but you do have to approach them really differently so I thought rather than just talking to bass players I thought you and I could sit down because we've done we both you know in our own history have done plenty of acoustic sets uh, and have learned a lot about it and so I thought maybe you and I would just sit down and kind of go through you know, first of all, how to even just set up an acoustic set, how to get that going, why you would do it, and then also kind of going through each instrument and discussing kind of what role that instrument takes. Because it usually is a very different vibe than if you're used to playing in a full band. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah, fun, 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 till your daddy took your bass amp away. <laughs> Did that ever happen to you? <laughs> nah, not really. No, my dad was, my da- I used to use the church's bass amp. I'd bring it home because my dad was the pastor, so I could borrow stuff. Much to the dismay of the other musicians in the church. <laughs> my, my, so when our, when our band started, we basically used to use the church's gear and just go and start touring with it. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, we, uh, my parents, I don't know how they didn't kill me. I had... You know, I had bought my first electric guitar for like a hundred bucks and then I was like, I gotta get an amp. And so I just, I saved 80 bucks and I bought a PV Rage. This is long before you could buy, you know, amp modeling software and everything. So it was this tiny, it was probably like a foot tall and it was literally the worst sounding amp possible. Like it had a little, a little distortion button. It was this little like white push button that would just 
make the most ear piercing, razor sharp sound in the world. Like I can't, <laughs> there was no way to make it sound good. And I would just have that thing like cranked and just thinking I was killing it. So my parents were, That's amazing. Uh, were very gracious. And then I bet finally I had some friends of mine, we were wanting to actually do an acoustic set and they're like, here, you can buy our, borrow our acoustic guitar and see if we can do something with that. And I was like, oh, really intrigued by the idea. So I borrowed this, it, it was, I think it was called a favilla. I'm going with the <laughs> double L. It was a favilla or a favilla. And I don't even think it was made of wood. <laughs> I think it was plastic. That is or amazing. The whole M. No, no, no. This is the, an acoustic, oh, the acoustic guitar. <laughs> the acoustic guitar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Oh, it was, and I had like electric guitar strings on it. I didn't know anything, but I have, <laughs> now I play acoustic guitar almost exclusively. I play electric guitar for recording and for worship artistry, and now I pretty much just I always lead on acoustic and I write on acoustic, and acoustic is the the guitar of choice. So, so, yeah, so that guitar probably wasn't even really an acoustic guitar. <laughs> it was nothing, a box with strings. It was, yeah, it was, a, it was basically a cajon with electric guitar strings. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's, that's probably the more accurate description. Um, uh, nasty. Or tap, tap away. Tap away made guitar. Yes, I don't, yeah, I'm telling you, I don't know what, like, it was like, what is this top? Like, I don't even know what it is. We had a tour one time where someone gave us an electric guitar uh, that's supposed to be a model that models an acoustic guitar basically i won't say which brand it was but there was a company that gave it to us to brenton and we went to uh, idaho to go and play and if you played this electric guitar which kind of looked like an acoustic almost a little bit like semi-acoustic it on its own through an amp it sounded like a pretty good acoustic guitar tone it's all modeled and then everything so we were like ah oh, this is awesome so he said, I'm taking this guitar and it's the only one I'm taking on tour. And I was like, why don't you just bring your acoustic as well, just in case. And he's like, no, no, I'm going with this one for the weekend. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so we get out there. And as soon as the band started playing together, that thing turned into a toy piano. <laughs> so it's just, there was nothing nice about it. It was terrifying. It's very hard to model a good acoustic guitar sound, all that to say. <laughs> very cool. Well, um, you know, hey, so first of all, so first thing we should just say then about having an acoustic set is you should, uh, should at least have some kind of decent instrument, maybe not a box with strings or a, because yes. uh, you want your sound to actually blend together. But, but um, okay, let me ask you this first, Daniel, just tell me your overall acoustic guitar or acoustic set experience, like not so much from the instrumental standpoint, but what does it bring? Why do it? Is it just because we were raised in the nineties and we were like, unplugged cool nirvana we're gonna do it too or is it is there is does it bring something to the table in a worship set absolutely um you know in the same way um if you if you kind of take it a step further everyone's playing with stems and you know getting like backing tracks and a, a lot of different churches are playing with a bunch of extra things added to the mix that are not even their band playing you know like if you if you get a whole bunch of stems from multitracks.com or somewhere and you're playing with that it's almost like if you stop doing that and just play with a band a five-piece band that's already like a step towards things being more laid back and relaxed and giving them more room to flow and more room for space in the in the in the sound mm -hmm. uh, and then and then taking it one step further away from that is to actually like you say uh you know playing acoustic an acoustic set and in the same way that i get I get really happy when we stop playing with stems because it suddenly feels like whew, it's like a big breath of, of like, okay, now we can breathe. This is not like wall-to-wall -wall noise. Mm -hmm. uh, in the same way, when, when you do an acoustic set for me, I feel like 
it allows a lot more humanity to come through uh, and it, it feels more sparse and it feels more vulnerable uh, and it it's it just allows people to connect more like in your living room as opposed to it being a performance so you know if you want to stay playing with stems in a big band and and just pouring out massive wall of sound is like to me that's almost like a massive performance and then playing as a five-piece band feels more like hey we're in someone's in someone's little club listening to a band play and then doing an acoustic sets like, hey we could do this in my living room and it feels like we're all just in there together connecting as friends connecting with god and that's what an acoustic set feels like to me it feels like we don't need all that stuff to do this let's just do it like this for a change and that that makes me feel like wow whew, that's a breath of a really a, a cool breath of fresh air to be able to go we don't need all that stuff to do this because this is not you know worship is not defined by it having to be a specific sound or a specific thing or you know anthemic big experience worship is actually just us as friends and us as brothers and sisters connecting with the lord and we can actually do that with one acoustic guitar yeah yeah and the the other thing too is i think i think from a just from a human standpoint you know we get used to hearing things a certain way and no matter how much we can we want to we want to say like, oh, well, you know, worship, anytime I ever, it's funny, anytime I ever make a comment on the website or something about how like, oh, sometimes worship gets you frustrated or sometimes this happens or, you know, the logistics get difficult. Somebody always is like, well, it doesn't happen to me because like I'm the perfect worshiper. Somebody comes out and you know jumps in there and just like, I don't have any problems because I just yielded all to Jesus and everything's perfect. And I'm like, good for you, man. I do that too. I'm still human though. And, you know, part of us being human is when we're used to hearing something, if you're always hearing the same sound, right? If you always have the same yeah. players, the same sound, it's it it just dulls your senses. You stop listening mm-hmm. in it in new and unique ways, right? If it's always the Absolutely. same person leading, if it's always the same instrument, if it you know, if, like you said, if you're throwing in tracks, I will correct you and say not everyone uses tracks. But exactly. <laughs> A lot of people do, but not everyone. You're right. Hundred percent. So um but uh, you know, through that process, everything can kind of dull and and mm-hmm. and changing the sound, changing the setup. Like when I play an acoustic set, I like to actually change the whole vibe of the room, so that right off the bat, everyone walks in and goes, "Oh, this is going to be different." You know, like mm-hmm. I might set it up in more of a circular, uh, you know, more of a circular fashion or. Um, Candles. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's how you know. Oh, is it a postmodern church? Oh, it's a postmodern church? Okay, we have to have candles. Um, just said, well, I should write a book about that, about environments yeah. or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, the, uh, but yeah, or like sometimes pulling the band, you know, closer to the front of the stage, if you've got a stage, um, mm-hmm. or pulling the congregation closer to the band, kind of creating more of an intimate space. Whatever you can do to create more of that intimate space. Um, mm-hmm. is really helpful. I always find there, you know, there's a scene in the movie once, and I've, I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before, but we have like 60 something episodes now. So who knows? Um, <laughs> but there is a scene in the movie once where there's all these people sitting around and they're just having a party and they're, they're all sitting around this table and they're all hanging out and drinking wine. And everyone's like just taking turns singing and everyone's mm-hmm. just is listening or they're singing along and it's the most beautiful picture of what, of what a worship set could look like, you know? Um, yeah. It's just, it's just really beautiful. And so I try and always imagine that scene when I'm setting up, you know, my own scene in terms of setting up an acoustic set. That's great, man. So, um, that's great. 
So let's so let's talk though about uh, let's talk about musically. All right, let's let's mm-hmm. break down kind of each instrument. We'll just start with the rhythm section and work our way up because everybody does play a different role. When you're, it's not like mm-hmm. everybody just gets together and plays the exact same thing they normally play, and it and no. it's going to come together and sound great. So uh, let's talk rhythm section first. What have you done for for percussion for drums? Yeah, so I mean, the thing about it that kind of, uh, you know, sometimes we'll end up on a cajon or something like a djembe or something like that. Uh, I'd prefer, to be honest with you, um, playing with the guy that I play with, Ben Showalter, is a really, really accomplished guy, really accomplished drummer, has played on tons of records and for, you know, 20 years, went to school for it. And he's got uh, what he calls gears, you know, like, like first gear is like super soft and he can do, he can play really, really, really soft, but still be sound really solid and he can play really really loud and he's in between he's got like 10 different gears a lot of drummers especially if they're weekend warriors they they really can't go from playing super loud to to soft and still feel like they're they're holding it together and it's not going to fall apart um and so he'll play he can play with the roots those little sticks or or brushes or he's got these broomsticks that are made i think by evans and the, those are those they've got a nice thuddy kind of when you hit the toms, they still kind of have a good thud to them, um, but they they're very light on the cymbals. And cymbals are where where the the volume really is nasty if if someone can't handle the control. Is it's this really loud, crashy kind of vibe, and that will wreck an acoustic set in no time. So so rhythm section wise, I'd love it if a, if a guy would play you know one hi, with hi hats, a snare, one tom, and one cymbal, and then make that work like a floor tom maybe and then just because then you can still feel like as from a bass player perspective i like there to be some form of groove that i'm playing along to so that it still kind of moves along nicely and if that's being provided by the drummer then i can i can relax about what the groove of that song's supposed to be because it's being taken care of by the drummer so i like that and you know a cajon can work but if it's a long set like if you're going to play a whole half an hour set the cajon can start sounding like and someone, someone scratching your eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what is this? <laughs> that's a horrible image. I would think it's that sounded when it starts. It's, but then it turns into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not the sound of it. The feeling I get when I hear the Quran <laughs> after song number five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just there's only so much you can really get out of a cajon at, without it just starting to feel like someone's just. It sounds like a drum circle somewhere at a hippie festival. Right. You know, it just it just and even a djembe to me is even worse because there's like a ring, a tone to the to the to the middle sound. So it's got a note. So you tune a djembe and it's got a boom. So you got like you got a certain. <laughs> so the kick drum sound, which is supposed to be a kick drum sound, actually has a ringy tone to it. It's not just a thud. It's more like a, which is why I pref- I'd prefer a cajon to a, to a djembe um but if you're playing like one or two songs i, I think a cajon or a djembe is fine because it's kind of there and then it's gone but someone i've been in, in acoustic sets where we've played like five or six seven songs and then the cajon's just like thundering away and eventually it just starts to become too much in my mind yeah uh how do you feel about it jess yeah i'm i'm with you in the same way i really like i really like to have a stripped down drum feel i don't know if you've ever seen those like those cocktail kits where they actually the oh, whole yeah. thing fits inside itself, and then actually has a kick drum that hits the bottom of the tom, or the kick pedal yes. hits the bottom of the tom. Uh, yeah, yeah, those are really cool. I've seen players use those. Um, I'm like you. I like to just say, just take it. You know, tell a drummer like, all right, we're going to strip this thing down, and you know, instead of having all your big thing, you're only going to have these couple things to work with. So for me, it's usually a hi hat, yeah. snare, and a kick, and that's even all I need. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've seen, uh, I actually seen All Sons and Daughters play, and their drummer actually had a suitcase instead of a kick drum. So it still created oh, the, yeah. you know, he had the pedal set up against it. And I thought that was a really cool idea. You could even like put things in this in the suitcase to actually make some, a little bit of a rattle too. I've seen that done. Um, so there's a lot of different things. I'm with you. I, I understand though that, um, that not everybody can do that, right? Like sometimes all you have is a guy that plays cajon or all you have is somebody yeah. that plays a djembe. But even in those situations, what I like to do is, is you know, hey, here's a tambourine. Here's a shaker. And on this song, just use just the tambourine on two and four. Then make that like the snare drum and that's it. Or just use the yeah. shaker and the tambourine. Or use the shaker and the drum. You know, like just to mix it up so that you don't end up in that scenario where, like you said, where it's just like, man, this is just... This is like water torture, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and there's another, a couple of other little things you can use. Um, my buddy that's in, a, in Holy Mountain, he has a thing called a porch board. It's like a little wooden block almost with a little metal thing on top of it. And it's basically like a floor kick drum. So you just you plug it into the sound system and then you tap it with your foot and it sounds like a kick. Uh, and so he uses that and a tambourine, you know, and he actually plays guitar with it. So he sings and plays guitar and then he uses that as a kick drum. And that, those porch boards sound actually really, really cool. I don't know how much they cost, but they're they're nice if you're playing in a an acoustic setting where maybe either you don't have a drummer uh, and so you want to do it on acoustic and you want to still provide that kick drum vibe. And, you know, he's also got a little tambourine that fits on his shoe. So it's got a little elastic on it and fits over his front of his shoe. So he hits the porch board with his right foot and then the tambourine with his left foot. So he's got like a, a beat basically. And it's, it's really cool sounding. Yeah. Okay. What do we do about bass? Yeah. So for me, um, I always think that the worst thing you can have is like a super bright sound, sounding tone uh, while, you, while you're busy um, playing in an acoustic set. You don't want a big round, you know, gangy kind of bright, brittle tone. Um, you want a, you know, a subby kind of, well, not subby, but you want a little bit more of a kind of woollier tone uh, to emulate basically what an upright bass would sound like or uh, something that would be more suited to an acoustic setting. Because you ma imagine if you're doing an acoustic set, you're kind of like taking it back in time almost as well. You're almost saying like, imagine if there were no electric guitar amps, how would you do this? So you want to kind of stay true to the vibe of that. Uh, and if there's a cello and if there's like some added instruments that are coming from like this 15, 16, 1700s, you want to actually play towards that feeling. And so I'd, I'd play with like a more rolled off tone. Um, and then I'd, I'd like to, I personally like to play a lot of whole big whole notes or just basically marking out the changes where like a big, you know, the left hand of the piano would be doing, making those kind of moves as opposed to the normal groove that I would normally play if there was a full band. Like if it was an elevation song, I'm not going to sit playing in a 16th, driving 16th, you know, if if, mm. if the song is going to be stripped down, I'm going to change the subdivision and actually play bigger, whole, longer notes because they do ring longer and they provide more um, support, I guess, if the note's still ringing than if you're going gung, 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 gung and playing staccato-y kind of stuff. So that's how I would approach it. I've got a really nice hollow body harmony bass guitar that if we were doing an acoustic tour, I'd probably just take that bass with instead of taking my my other bass because it's got like a really nice warm tone but it's also got a woody feel to it almost like a motani kind of vibe to it have you ever actually used an acoustic bass like one that looks like a guitar but is a you know, yeah big body kind of I, have, I have if you get a really cheap one they can sound very bright as well so the, and, and the tone can be really gangy and 
Uh, so you just got to if you get a if you get a decent one, um, and then the only other problem with those is if it's got a big hollow body. I used a Guild one time, a big Guild acoustic bass, and um, when you're on stage, uh, you know you really can't put a lot of it in the wedges, otherwise it starts to feedback. Uh, so you just got to watch out for feedback. I do like them though. I mean, if I was in a in a in a house somewhere with some friends and we were going to you know in the uh, in the living room and you had one of those, I think it would be pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, but then obviously the acoustic tone of it is that going to be the sound. You can't mess with the tone of it once it's an acoustic thing. So yeah. Yeah, I think I've I've definitely worked with those a lot or players that use them. They they are really nice for um, if you're like really sitting around a campfire or like you said sitting in a living room and you're actually using them for the acoustic tone. Because even in that scenario, if they're a little bright, it's not a problem because it's not you're. It just ends up helping stand out and just adds this other instrument to the mix, right? Um, yeah, totally. So it it still is there; it doesn't disappear. However, if you're plugging in, you know, really, I always feel like if you're if you're still going to plug in, using a regular bass is just fine. Just like you said, kind of set your tone so that it yeah. matches like the right the right sound for it. Nobody's going to yeah. look at a bass yeah. player and be like, "Well, everybody else is playing acoustic instruments, but he's on electric. That's not fair." Like nobody cares. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? And if somebody does, yeah. you know, they got they don't got their priorities straight. So uh Exactly. Plug in the bass. If you can plug in the yeah. bass, plug in the bass. Yeah. If you can't Absolutely. an acoustic bass, you know, do what you can. Also recognize that in that scenario, like it might not be for the whatever that crowd of people it is. It might just be for your guitar player that's sitting there and having it close to your ear or sitting by your mm-hmm. drummer, which kind of helps amplify their experience. And if, yes. if if all you're doing is, is amplifying the musician's experience, that's still a really valuable thing. You know, the guy in the back Absolutely. might not go, oh, I, I could hear everything that you were playing. But if it makes yeah. me more comfortable when I'm leading, I love having it there, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also wanted to say this, you know, when, when you um, do an acoustic set, uh, I think especially in a smaller room, you know, if you've if you can um, try and pop one, at least one of your in-ears out if you're using an in-ear system, because you want to play to the room. You almost imagine the room itself at the point when you start playing an acoustic set becomes one of the instruments. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's got a certain tone and, and the room's going to sound like something and the, the, all the reflections of the wall are going to sound like something. So for example, we went to lead worship at, um, at, I think it's called Cooks Media there, like the Integrity's head office mm-hmm. in uh, Colorado. And, um, we actually, uh, we're in a kind of a smaller room and they had a little a little powered monitor and I played bass through that and everybody else was acoustic and we sang. So I really had to make sure that what I, the volume I was putting out of that thing matched with everybody else's sound that they were putting out volume wise uh, and tonally. So, uh, you know, if, if I was if I had any ears in, I would have been just not thinking uh, and, you know, you can't really mix the sound if you're using a bass amp. And then you have the, ba- you know, you might have the engineer from the church running up to you and turning your amp down. And then you're like, oh, that's embarrassing. Or oh, why did you do that? Or So you, you really have to make sure that you can hear what's coming out of your bass amp. And sometimes because a, a bass wave takes a while to form, it's a big wave. You almost should go back and step back away from your amp and go sit in the front row of the church and then listen to what it sounds like. Because if you're standing directly on top of it and it's blowing past your legs, you might think it's soft, but it actually might be really hitting someone in the face pretty hard. <laughs> you don't want to get hit in the face with the bass. No, that's, and that's usually where the, pa- the pastor's wife sits right there. <laughs> and she's like, I don't like that guy with the, that, that dude in the band. <laughs> you sound like you have personal yeah. experience with this. 
Yeah. <laughs> boss's wife was my mom, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so just to make sure that you're kind of matching the rest of the band with your with your tone coming out of your amp, especially if you're going to play like some acoustic sets, guys will play electric, you know, electric guitar as well. Mm. Uh, and some, you know, so if anyone else that's got an amp or has their own form of control over something in the room is definitely going to help. If you know what you, what how much you're adding, and maybe just ask you know ask guys before you start, hey, how does this feel out there? Can you hear the bass? Does it feel like too loud or too soft? Or uh, and then like you said, if there's a little bit of brightness on the on your on your instrument, like on your bass, it's okay as long as you know that and actually, you, you know, the attack that you use is still in the right place, like at the top of the bar, instead of just really thundering away and playing in weird grooves over what everyone else is doing. Hmm. Just because you know you you've in your head you've got the the idea of what that song sounds like, um, like that song, Your Love is Amazing, um, you know, Hallelujah song. Mm-hmm. It's Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Your Love Makes Me Sing, and, and the groove is don't, don't, don't. And so if you're doing that with the bass, but there's no one else doing that on the drums, um, it's it can feel like, hey, that's weird. Because you, you're saying, but that's how the song goes, you know, and so right. you don't have to play that exact groove because the song could be sung a cappella and people would still say that's the same song still. So we've got to just remember that with an acoustic set is, you know, if any if everyone was just singing a cappella, anything you're going to add to it is just going to either support it or make it distracting. So right. uh, from from a from a from a rhythm section perspective, whether you're on kahan or drums or bass or whatever, just remember that you're trying to support that that uh, that the vocals really in an acoustic set. Right. Right. Um, when do, okay, let's talk. Let's talk about. Uh, rhythm instruments so um we'll talk about it from a piano perspective and then we'll also talk about it from an acoustic guitar perspective and then we'll jump into lead guitar there so um so i've always found when it comes to an acoustic set i play as as an if i'm the rhythm acoustic guitar player i am playing much more rhythmically and percussively than i am normally so yeah I like to be able to, you know, normally an acoustic guitar in a, in a full set, I mean, take like any of the songs on Worship Artistry, say for like maybe 10, you know, a lot of, most of the time, the acoustic guitar is kind of just playing a jangly, strummy part over the top of what's happening. Like all the other instruments are kind of doing the main amount of work. And the acoustic guitar mm-hmm. is just kind of this little bit of icing over the top. And that's not usually how we think of acoustic guitar, but if you listen to it in a full band mix, that's what you're usually doing. However... In an acoustic set, I feel like it's a totally different scenario. So, like when I approach it, I'm usually going, I'm playing much with a lot more like palm muting, a lot more actually kind of landing um, mutes over the top of the strings, you know, kind of like real percussive mutes on two and four, kind of almost, mm-hmm. almost becoming a drum, which then Absolutely. kind of helps fatten out that rhythm section, which is what everybody really wants to sing to. So that's yes. so if I'm if I'm leading on acoustic guitar as the rhythm instrument, that's what I'm doing. Now, piano, I feel like the acoustic guitar and the piano really interact a lot in these kind of in these kind of situations. So, yes, let's say if if piano is kind of more the driver, if they're going to go, okay, I'm I'm the one leading this song, and everyone is trying to fill around there, I am going right back to the high jangly acoustic guitar. Usually, I'm capoed. Because the piano is going to take up that mid range, so I'll go up higher and create some of those those higher sounds. But I want those nice and open and bright sounding. Um, however, if I'm the rhythm instrument as the acoustic guitar, then the piano needs to be very sparse, 
right? Yeah. So Absolutely, less, yeah. less of like kind of the big chords and driving things, but more of a little filler riffs. Blocking. Yeah, 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 little blocks or little just like in-between tasty piano riffs that fill in mm-hmm. that space a little bit. So I feel like if you've got an acoustic guitar and a piano, those really need to kind of decide who's going to take what role. And it's totally okay to switch those roles, right? Like, hey, on this song, yeah. acoustic guitar is going to be the main driver and piano is going to just sit nicely on top and then vice versa. You know, piano is going to really drive yeah. this one, going to be laying down those cold play eighth notes, you know, and then everything else is going to build around that. Totally good. That's good. <clears throat> that's awesome. I feel that that's, um, you know, if you take mid-tempo songs, I feel, um, especially on piano, the, it, it can be nice for the piano to kind of drive on the one, on the, on the quarter notes. Mm-hmm. So those like, they can feel really nice on, on quarter notes. And then the, the, the guitar, acoustic guitar becomes more like shimmer, like mm-hmm. you would in a bigger band situation. And, but then on the up-tempo songs, you don't want the piano thundering away on, on like subdivisions because then it just starts to sound crazy. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's much better for the acoustic guitar to be doing like a super up-tempo song if they're going to be playing because then it's not as obnoxiously heavy and the acoustic guitar is not as, as weighty as a piano is in your face, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a piano can be way more um, paddy and, and, and kind of fill out a lot of warmth uh, if you're actually holding whole notes. I, th- I think that's important too. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Jason. And, um, you know, what we were talking about earlier, the groove of the song, if you say, well, you know, that song, Your Love is Amazing, back to that same song, uh, there is a groove on there. And, and it is nice if you emphasize it, but it's better if the acoustic guitar does that. So, like, in the strumming pattern, you could go, chang, 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 instead of the bass player going, boing, bomb, ba bomb. Because then you're still hearing the groove, but it's coming out of the acoustic guitar instead of it being... Uh, having to be emphasized by the rhythm section as well, the bass and the drums as much. So you're still feeling, oh, that feels right. The same as, like you said, the little riffs in between on the piano. If there's a big electric guitar line, the piano could be playing those nice little octaves and right. you'd still hear the guitar, you still hear the hook, but you're not, it's not coming from, from a, an instrument that's overpowering. Right, right, absolutely. So, um, okay, so let's talk about lead guitar now, because I think this one is, I've seen this done in a lot of different ways. And depending on the band situation, it really, it really changes. So I've seen, um, I've, you know, in the past, I've done a lot of acoustic sets where it's just me and another acoustic guitar player, right? And the fewer instruments that you have, the more, or the, or the busier you can play, right? So if it's just me, you know, if, if I'm playing lead acoustic guitar and there's another guy that's playing the rhythm, I can be really busy, because there's yeah. so much room to fill and it's going to sound so different. I can be playing kind of rhythmic riffs. I can be, you know, playing arpeggios while they're playing, while they're strumming. It can be a much busier thing. Like, um, perfect example, actually not really the best example. Cause I still feel like he kind of overplays, but if you ever listen to like Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds, like Tim Reynolds yeah. is an amazing guitarist. But he play he he plays so much that you get to the point where you're even less like okay enough I just need a break. Um, <laughs> but if you were to only listen to like one or two of those songs, and he's just shredding away on it while there's a rhythm guitar playing, it's like oh that totally works. It totally fits. And so if you're in a really stripped down mode, you can do that. Um, however, yes. if you are playing in a more full band mode, uh, I like to go one of two routes. Um, one is to either use the acoustic guitar just like you would normally use an electric guitar. 
So yeah. a lot of times when electric guitar players switch to acoustic, they, they get busier or whatever. Um, but still just kind of playing those lead lines, playing those kind of smaller chords that you usually play when you're playing lead guitar, kind of finding those ranges that aren't being filled out. Um, and just kind of then approaching them from a more rhythmic standpoint. Like if you've ever looked at any of the solo acoustic arrangements on worship artistry, a lot of times I'll take acoustic or electric guitar parts and just kind of acoustify them. Acousticify. <laughs> That's awesome. Look it up. I invented TM. Acousticify. Yes, yes. Uh, you can use it in Scrabble. You can use this podcast as a thing. Um, but yeah, like I'll take it and I'll just take that lead line and make it just a little bit more rhythmic. I'll get a little bit chunkier with it. Um, so it still feels like it's an acoustic guitar, but I'm still kind of covering all those main lead lines, right? Um, mm -hmm. The other option that you can do is like you were saying, kind of approaching, uh, like I have actually, we had a, for my wife's 40th birthday, I probably shouldn't have said 40th, for my wife's birthday, <laughs> uh, we had this- You said 30th, right? Yes, said for 30th? her 30th birthday, uh, yeah, she was yeah. like, she's like, I just want to have a big singing party. We have- uh, we've had a few of these. And so we had a campfire in the backyard. We had lights. We had like 50 people there. And I told all my neighbors in advance. And then we we just played and sang till like two in the morning, just taking requests. Just what do you go? What do you want to do? All right. You know, usually, you know, like half the song or whatever. But my friend, yeah. uh, Matt, who's a really good guitarist, brought this little um, this little amp, like this little battery power powered Yamaha modeler. And he just brought it back. So we're all sitting around the campfire and we had a lead guitar sitting there and he just played really kind of tasteful, um, in between parts, kind of set some more ambient beds to things, took a couple guitar solos and that sort of a thing, but used a yeah. clean tone. That was kind of the main thing is he used a clean tone, a little bit of reverb or delay sometimes, but for the most part, he never got overdriven. He was never kind of taking over. It was always kind of like filling in that space. So it still felt like an acoustic instrument, it still felt softer than you would normally play something, but it mm -hmm. was it was a really nice fit with all the acoustic instruments. Very cool. Yeah. That's the other thing is when you get too many acoustic instruments playing the same subdivisions, it starts to it really starts to feel like a bunch of cats scratching on a tin roof. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It just starts adding up and obviously everyone's timing is not going to be exactly on. So then it starts really getting weird sounding to me anyway. Mm -hmm. if, if you've got like three, three or four acoustic guitars playing, if they're all playing the same part, oh, it's kind of weird. That's torture. Yeah. That's like, yeah, really. <laughs> there was, I remember, still remember one time I was in college and the, the staircases in our dorms had this really nice reverb to them. And so I would go and sit there and play. And a lot of times, <laughs> eventually somebody else would come along and it was great. But there was one time where uh, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, there's one time I was going <laughs> to sneeze there and I held it together. Well done. Uh, yes, one less edit for this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I remember at one point I looked around and I'm like, there are 10 people here playing guitar and they're all playing the same thing out of rhythm. And it was just like, that's what it sounded like. Because <laughs> it had a bunch of reverb on top of it. That's bad news. I think you have you make a really important point that every instrument should still be doing something different. Yes. Just like you would do it in a normal <clears throat> uh, full band situation. Every instrument, working the dynamic, letting the songs breathe. You know, you don't want to just turn it into, oh, now I'm acoustic guitar, so now I'm just going to start wailing, right? And everybody's starting to make a bunch of noise because that will not work. Pick a leader for yeah. each song. 
<clears throat> Absolutely, that's good. So you're saying like if if we if you're playing a song, you say acoustics going to be like the main accompanying instrument for this particular song. Um, you know, if you have piano and acoustic, then you're going. Uh, you know, if you were the only instrument playing um, as the acoustic guitar, you'd play all the rhythm. You'd play kind of full big strums, and you'd 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 kind of accompany yourself as if you were just playing a vocal and acoustic song. And then all the other instruments have to find space around that. Right. Uh, and if and you make the piano that, then the acoustic guitar and everybody else has to kind of live around the outside of that. It's almost like a big bus parking in the front parking lot of the church, and then there's only four or three, three or four parking lots on either side of it. Uh, so you can't park another five buses there. You can only park a couple of scooters. <laughs> well, I don't know if you, if so you, you do you, have if you have you just said if you have three or four parking lots. I feel like that could handle a couple of buses. I said parking spots. <laughs> go ahead. Go. go. <laughs> it's like go back and listen. I'm like, yeah, go back man, and this listen. Is, this is a huge church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you got 64 parking lots, you're probably the airport. <laughs> uh, you shouldn't be. A, you shouldn't call yourself a church. <laughs> yeah, but that that's very very cool. What about uh, Jason? What do you think? If you have two acoustic guitars, what would you suggest then? Um, you just just two acoustic guitars. No, two acoustic guitars and a bunch of you know bass drums. Um, you know, in that scenario, a lot of times, you know, I'd say like either you take those lead parts, or the other thing that you can do is uh, each each either have one person capo and one person not capo, or both capo in different spots, so that you can cr- really build a much wider, a much wi- yeah, a much wider spectrum. And then yeah. same thing, you still don't want to be. Strum, both trying to do the same exact strum pattern because no two acoustic guitar mm. players are going to play the exact same thing unless you're like really yes. locked in. So having one person kind of one strumming over the top while somebody else is playing or doing arpeggios or something that creates texture without, uh, you know, without, you don't, there's nothing worse than two guitars playing almost the same exact thing. Nothing. Yes, I, I agree mean, with that. nothing like genocide, not worse. Uh, is, <laughs> I admit sometimes I use hyperbole. That's that's a terrible thing to say. I would, that's not true. There are a lot of things worse, but musically, musically, yeah. there are not many things worse than two acoustic car- guitars playing slightly out of rhythm or yeah, out of tune. Rough. Get that nice chorus yes. going. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like a twelve-string, but with someone playing out of time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What about um? Let's let's go one more. What about strings? What about kind of auxiliary instruments? Because sometimes in those scenarios we can bring in other players to add a nice oh, yeah. spice. Apparently everybody plays the banjo all of a sudden, so I guess <laughs> not all of a sudden. Like all of a sudden five years ago. Yeah, we're, we're well, catching up. There's ga- those ganjos that that have got like this normal tuning of a normal six string guitar, but they happen to be on a banjo body. Yeah, those are kind of cool because they they're kind of cheaty. They are very uh, but then, those, yeah, those are the <laughs> dangerous thing then is that it, you, you play it like an acoustic guitar, you're in real trouble. <laughs> right, right. You know, so you need to still be able to learn how to play roles that a banjo would play to make it feel like the instrument's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's picking, making picking little roles that a banjo would play. Uh, and you can learn those things. They're little patterns usually that go throughout the whole song as opposed to like big old chord changey kind of things. Right. Um, and then even like you mentioned, the acoustic guitar that, that capos, uh, sometimes you can capo super high up. Like if you're in the key of D and someone's playing D down at the bottom of the acoustic in a D shape, you can always, you know, capo up and play a G up on the, what is it, the 10th fret uh, G shape uh, yeah, up yeah, there, yeah. the capo. And then, and then it sounds like all your chords sound like a little bit like mandolin kind of chords. Uh, so if you can dig into what a mandolin would do in that kind of environment, you could actually make a really cool 
you can make a cool mando kind of vibe out of an acoustic guitar if you're the second acoustic right and then strings if you are if you are fortunate or unfortunate depending on how good the string players are to have strings uh like cello violin viola that sort of thing um Mm -hmm. having them pick their spots is really crucial i've i've always found string players will have a tendency in a in a like a worship scenario to just play and mm-hmm. it's like I have one. So, uh, so gay who I love, she is, she plays on my worship team. She always tells me right off the bat. She's like, I know we're going to work on all these parts, but I know that as soon as I start playing, I'm just going to start playing. And I'm like, I know, but <laughs> I'm at least going to give you some tips. We're going to try. And, um, fortunately she's a really good violinist. And so it's never like, Oh no. Sometimes it's just like, Oh, we're missing out on the power of that because we're hearing you the whole time. And so exactly. having your string instruments kind of pick their spots, you know, Hey, wait until the chorus don't play over the melody kind of like find more, uh, specific parts rather than just kind of like, Hey, here's the key and play along. Cause I know like for myself, I'm not a string player. Right. I mean, like a, you know, like that kind of a string player. I play guitar. Yeah. I guess that's kind of strings. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but the, uh, I, I don't, I don't think in those instruments. Right. So I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I will know, oh, if you could have like a nice swelling part right here, that works. But I don't often have, or sometimes I'll have like ideas for melodies, but I don't often have, you know, oh, you, you're going to play the, this and then you play the third and then we're going to build it. Like, I don't think that way. So kind of getting mm-hmm. to lean on those instruments a little bit, but giving them like play on this part and on this part and on this part. I, f- I find if you can block certain things that way, it helps them mm-hmm. kind of create, like find their way through it without being too, you know, overbearing in the mix. That's good. It's really, really good. I find with, uh, when I make, when I do records with people, if I have a cello player coming in, if the, if the cello plays the same exact um, root notes as the bass player, it actually really is awesome. Uh, because it's octave up, and it's it's got like a it it adds it adds kind of rasp and tone to that same note that the bass player is playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, um, it's very hard to translate the the full body of a cello in a live situation unless you know unless you're in a room that's tiny. Uh, the cello kind of that bass that you'd get out of a cello is not as as much as you'd get, for example, out of a bass guitar or uh, you know something that's that's going through the system. So I feel like you know you get that awesome kind of raspy change and 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 the way that a cello carries on the note actually carries on longer than a bass note because that's good. bass note's going to slowly decay. But a cello, obviously, as you're pulling the the bow, you're still getting that note right to the end. So it's almost like uh, if you think of modern worship, what's been happening is a lot of bass on the bass side. They're using synth bass as, as well as electric bass. And what that's doing is the synth bass, which has got more kind of raspy tone to it um, and a bit of grind to it and bite to it, is actually the sustain goes from the time they hit that note till the time they lift their finger off that, that key. And so it adds that, that kind of thickness to the whole phrase as opposed to with a bass guitar when you get the attack on the front end and from there onwards it slowly decays so eventually you hit the next note and then you get another big boost and it decays again so with a cello and like you said like a synth bass same thing the cello really helps to emphasize that bass note and to keep it like flowing and and having energy in it so i find that it's very helpful if a cello kind of just even blocks the exact changes of the chords um, and it can be really really effective and then like you said with with other string instruments you have more than one uh, especially like a violin or a viola, if they're playing the third or the fifth or something like that, that adds beautiful color to the chord. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, playing with strings is 
my my favorite thing when it works well. Uh, it is just it's awesome. It's so good. It's like a dream come true every time it happens. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So, guys, you know, as as you look at taking an acoustic set, you know, the more that music heads in in the digital direction, you know, like you were saying, oh, you got synth bases, and 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 the more music sounds digital, the the more refreshing it is to hear real instruments. And I don't think that's yes. that's an age thing. I think it's just, uh, man, this is what I. This just feels right in my ears, and people enjoy it. It's, yes. it's a connection. It's sometimes I feel like the difference between like digital music and and like homemade music is the difference between social media and hanging out with your friends in person. You know, there's just something yeah. more human <laughs> about about real instruments, and so yeah, it's like it's like getting a, a, a handwritten letter as opposed to an email. Yeah, there's just something more to it. And so, you know, if if you don't often play that way, I highly encourage you, like, give it a shot. You People will love it. Um, and have fun with it. Enjoy it. Be dynamic. Recognize mm-hmm. that this is something that's different than maybe what you normally do. And really approach it that way. Don't just go, we're just going to do all the same things. We're just going to use acoustic instruments now. Really approach each mm-hmm. song as its own arrangement and have fun with it. You can get away with doing totally different things from having acoustic sets versus yes. having the, the full band electric kind of thing thing. So guys, give it a shot. Very cool. Yeah. Like that's the most important thing. What you just said there, Jason is to create, uh, still be able to create like musical landscapes to where there's, there's rises and falls in the, in the dynamic range of what's going on. Uh, you can totally do that. You, you don't have to pack because it sounds kind of sparse. Sparseness is awesome because what happens is when you eventually do come in, it adds, that that kind of emotion to the mix and so like knowing when not to play like your 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 violin player you know when you stay out for a while and then you come in there's so much more uh it, it just brings so much more to the party when you you know when the drums come in later on with the bass or if you don't play right till the last chorus or something like that you just got to be a, okay with not playing all the time no one's looking at you going why is he holding that thing and not playing it uh, and that's something <laughs> that's something that you got to get out of, out of your head uh, you got to be able to go, man. I'm happy to just stand here and worship the Lord until my time comes to be able to be to throw in what I need to uh, throw in, and it just makes the arrangement so much more listenable over a long period of time than if everybody jumps in right at the top of the set and everyone carries on playing right to the end of the set. That that becomes very linear and and boring. Right, right. So, guys, give it a shot. Hey, huge thanks to I'm gonna. His, hopefully this is how I pronounce it, Stid, that's his screen name, um, who, who mentioned that he's only 12 and he's playing in the worship band. So way to go, Stid. Uh, thanks for asking the question. This is basically one giant member mail. So Daniel, you don't even have to try and then mess up getting us into the member mail section. Uh, this because is, we hated it. We hated it. <laughs> we had it. It was the... Uh, but hey, so guys, thanks so much for uh, for letting us kind of talk through this. Um, if you've got questions with member mail, it's, you can contact us. It's really easy. You can do it in a lot of ways. You can email us, support at worshipartistry.com. You can uh, put the comment on our member mail post, which is in worshipartistry.com slash green room. You do a search for member mail and you'll see it with all the mailboxes. Um, there is also on Facebook, facebook.com slash worship artistry you can message us there is another great way to ask us um we're really all about the community aspect of this we love we love doing the tutorials like we do in worship artistry that is awesome you can 
you can check that out anytime. But we just we want to help worship musicians bring their best. That's what we're trying to do. And so um, thanks for letting us be in your ears. Come check out Worship Artistry. You can try it out for free. And uh, if you don't want to do that, no big deal. If you would leave a uh, if you would leave a review, that's always super helpful. Helps us continue to get all the great guests we're having. You know, besides me and Daniel, and uh, we'll have a super awesome guest again next week. Um, but guys, that is it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Adios. Thank you.